All right. This has uh, been a really great Sunday so far. Every Sunday with you guys is great. Uh, this Sunday, uh, I got to eat a biscuit, um, had coffee from Dro Coffee. Do you realize that? It's a really big deal. Uh, Joe made a playlist of my favorite music. Uh, and so uh, it's been a really awesome Sunday uh, so far. And uh, I, I definitely going into this uh, has not been a, a lighthearted feeling about being an elder of the Crossing Church. Uh, and there's been a lot of back and forth uh, just... Uh, within me and 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 thinking, am, am I qualified for this? Like me, of all people, am, am I sure about this? Uh, and then just affirmation after affirmation, uh, in in word, in the word, in prayer, uh, and from elders and and, and a lot of you uh, has been so good. And and this morning, just kind of putting it all together uh, and and getting to celebrate that with you. That it's not about like, yeah, finally Jesse did it. Good job, Jesse. Uh, this is just about another uh, elder in the Crossing Church. Um, and this is about uh, just moving forward with the gospel uh, of Christ. And I'm, I'm really excited about that. And so thank you uh, if you were here and you enjoyed food. Thank you if you came here afterwards and you had no idea about it. That's fine too. Um, I'm really glad to be here uh, and to preach this Sunday. Um, and so with these, uh, these topics that we've discussed uh, the past few weeks, uh, uh, reading the word, prayer, uh, last week with Joseph, uh, racial unity, uh, and this week, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, um, with these topics there often comes this um, this conviction with them, within us, when we're hearing these things. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of times there comes a lot of shame. Uh, and that's the unfortunate situation. Uh, and, and maybe that happens um, individually and it stops uh, right there for you. Uh, but a lot of times, I know for me, uh, it either starts or kind of breaks out into um, what others think of me. What are others thinking of me? And so it's no longer just me feeling this shame or this conviction. Uh, I'm thinking about what others are viewing, how others are viewing me. Um, and this is a, this is a pride issue. Uh, it's kind of all about me, what others are thinking. Um, the enemy convinces us that those uh, around us see where we lack, see where we're sinful, and are constantly judging us. And this doesn't happen all the time. Uh, but a lot of times when, when these types of sermons, this happens, it's, what are they saying about, what are they thinking about me? Um, hopefully, uh, this is not the case for you uh, as you worship with us, as you worship other places, uh, going throughout your week. Hopefully, this is not the case for you um, because Matthew uh, tells us uh, we cannot judge uh, the splinter in our brother's eye when there is a log in our own eye. And then Romans 2 reminds us uh, that God is the ultimate judge and he will judge. There, there's no question. He's going to judge. Uh, and so again, there is no need for us to judge. And, and that's where you are. If you're just all about judging people, like maybe check that out, check your heart. Um, but I can confidently say uh, that there will be no judgment, no condemnation, no shame coming from anyone in preaching on a Sunday morning. Scott, just preach. Let there be grace with these kind of things. Um, there will be none of that, but this is important. That doesn't mean that we're just going to ignore sin. We're not going to ignore it and, and act like it's uh, not, not a big deal. Uh, let everybody do whatever they want uh, because we want to hurt anybody's feelings. We care about feelings, but if there's sin, we hate sin. We want to see sin crushed. And so we hope for conviction in these times, in these sermons. Uh, and, and when you're hearing these things, uh, when you're reading Scripture, we're praying for conviction, not shame. And so... This, this shame, the reason we don't want this is this shame leads to much more sin. This, this shame leads to me thinking that I have to do better. It's up to me uh, to be a better person, uh, to kind of 
prove myself to God, uh, and that leads to failure over and over again. If it's up to us, it's going to lead to failure. It's going to lead to more sin. But conviction, there's a big difference, leads to repentance. And and knowing this sin is destroying us. Turning from that sin and running to the one who already died for that sin. And, And now he calls us his own. This is conviction. When we hear these things, this is what we want out of this. Not shame to lead to us trying to do it ourselves. We want conviction. Um, I wanted to read uh, John chapter 8. Uh, if, you, if you want to turn there, you can. That's not where we're going to be uh, for the majority of the sermon. But in, in this sense, I, I did want to start off with this to remind you um, about this. I'll, I'll just read uh, John 8, 2 through 11. Uh, it says, uh, Jesus, at, at dawn he went to the temple again, and all the people were com- coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They asked this to trap him, or they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus uh, stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued riding on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go and from now on, do not sin any more. Jesus shows us right here. He is not here to condemn for, for this woman and for you, but he is here to forgive. Out of that forgiveness and out of this knowledge of our sin, we should seek to sin no more. There, there's no condemnation that, that is telling us, I'm a bad person, I'm terrible, I need to do better. It is God has forgiven you and, and he is urging you to sin no more. It's not shame, but Jesus and the work that he has done that we should be focused on throughout every gathering, every worship gathering, uh, throughout our time at, at work, at time at school, should be Jesus and not condemnation and shame. And so I, I, I pray that, and we haven't even started, I pray this is the case for you today. And, and every other sermon that you tend to feel, I'm not good enough, I, I, need, I need to be a better person, uh, woe is me. Uh, instead of feeling that shame and, and heaping that upon you, Jesus is not here to do that at all. Jesus is here to forgive and, 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 and hope uh, that you would turn to him and sin no more. So we're going to pray and, and, and get into this. Father, I hope that this is the case uh, for all of us today, uh, that, that when we, we are in Scripture, when we are uh, at worship gatherings, when we are just uh, out and about uh, throughout our weeks, God, uh, that then when the enemy tries to convince us uh, that we are not good enough, uh, that we have gone beyond Anything that you could do to save us, God, uh, and he convinces us that we have to do more and more and continue to fail and continue to sin, God, that in those times, instead of just picking up the shame and this condemnation, trying to carry this load, God, uh, that instead we would turn to you, see the truth of your gospel, God, and know that you got it. You have died for all this. You've died for the shame. you died for whatever sin that we're dealing with, God. You've got it. You have saved us from our sin. You, you continue to save us forever. Uh, and, and one day you will save us to where we, where we get to be with you 
forever. God, thank you so much that that is the hope that we get to look forward to. Thank you for Jesus. Amen. All right, uh, if you have your Bibles or if you want to look on the screen, if you have your phones, uh, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, uh, and we'll be in verses 24 through 31 in a short bit. Um, uh, but first, uh, like Scott said, uh, this, this Sunday is Sanctity of, of Human Life Sunday uh, because as Christ followers, we recognize January 22nd, uh, a few days ago, as National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Uh, I think Ronald Reagan was the first uh, to to announce that, and, and uh, every president has continued to announce that. Um, uh, maybe not everyone. Um, but uh, uh, big, big, because the Supreme Court case uh, that legalized abortion on the same day in, in 1973. And so it's been 47 years since abortion has been legalized. Uh, and this, this constant debate of the value of human life continues today. Uh, even this morning, uh, <laughs> When you go to the trending section on Twitter, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, seeing Paula White uh, command in a prayer that all satanic, preg- satanic pregnancies miscarry right now. Uh, seeing that kind of mess, it, it, it continues to plague our lives. This is, this is crazy. This, this is a mess, and sometimes it's really difficult to talk about because a lot of different past issues we have, or, or, or if you're like me, you don't, just, you don't want conversation at all. And so you're just like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm fine. Uh, so this is a big mess. But if we open our eyes a little wider and we look back farther than 1973, we understand this problem, this, this mess, has plagued creation long before legalizing abortion. And, and it goes even beyond in, in a wider scale of, of just abortion. Um, so I remember the first time having to address abortion uh, with like just in my mind and, and thinking about things. I think I was 14 in my favorite teacher's class, Mr. Tim. Uh, he was so cool. We got to call him by his first name. Uh, and so every day, Mr. Tim uh, would start the class with a really simple PowerPoint presentation with pictures and, and some, a few things uh, called Today in History. Uh, I, I'm not a history person, but it was my favorite part of the day. Uh, and, and he would tell us about important events, uh, inventions that happened, birthdays. Uh, and then on January 22nd, whatever year that was, uh, it came up, uh, and he taught us more about Roe v. Wade and the significance of that decision then and, and the significance at the time, which was like 2010 maybe. Um, and so anyway, uh, he, he would talk about this, and all of a sudden I remember that day specifically. I don't remember a lot of Today in History days, but that day specifically I remember an intense debate coming out of nowhere between, between classmates. There, there was passion and, and anger from both sides kind of going at each other. Uh, and me, no confrontation, please. I'm, I'm out. Um, I realized that I, I must have not known enough about this subject. I didn't feel as strong either way. I, obviously, I, I silently kind of sided with these, these students, these classmates, pro-life, because I was raised in a Southern Baptist church. I, I knew that this is what I believed. I may have not ever been taught why I believe that. That's what, what I believe. It was, it was simple, but I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, and then Mr. Tim, being a really good teacher, he's got to play devil's advocate. Uh, and, he, and he has to help out the other side and continue this debate going on. Because I think he really enjoyed it, not me. Um, he brings up this, the, the, the hypothetical scenario that we often hear in this, this argument uh, from, from the pro-choice side. Uh, that if he had a daughter who was raped by some cruel stranger and became pregnant, shouldn't he, the father of her, want her to get an abortion? not wanting his daughter to carry that burden. And, and that was really tough 
to really think about that. I was really confused, not knowing what the right answer was, not knowing how to deal with something like that. I had no idea. And so from that moment, that Today in History presentation, I realized that I did not have everything I needed for a true biblical understanding of this issue. I was missing something key in there because I didn't feel strong either way, and I was so confused after that class. Um, I didn't know what it was, though. And so the same thing happened when I began to see and understand racism around me. It was never a moment I can point back to like that day in class, but with a slow, constant stream of things kind of happening around me, uh, being said, uh, it made me realize that something is not right. Like the day in class, I, I realized like something's not right. I'm not getting anything. Uh, but with, with racism, it was obviously I'm, I'm a white guy, so it was never towards me, uh, but it was just things happening around me, making me understand that Something's going on here, and I don't understand this because I was younger, but something's not right. And so, like, a family member walking out of my grandma's house when the first time I brought my best friend uh, for lunch, uh, like, not hearing from him <laughs> for a while, had no idea, uh, hearing the N-word thrown around like it was nothing, uh, even me making what I thought were lighthearted jokes and not knowing the wounds that I was inflicting on my friends. They were my friends. I wasn't meaning to to be hateful or anything, and I don't think I was that, but there was these little jokes and little things I would say, and, and then slowly begin to realize something's wrong here. Something's not matching up. And so hopefully, be, beyond this room, beyond uh, the church, be, it, for humanity, hopefully there is some knowledge, some understanding that something is wrong here, Christian or not. Um, mankind should value human life and see how messed up everything is right now but we miss that a lot. And so I'm, I'm not very interested in politics, uh, but if that's you, whatever political party is, is kind of coming to your head right now, and this is what I believe, and this is what I say, like, go for it. Like, do your stuff, you know, really love politics. But I'm, I'm telling you, politics is not the answer. A political party, whatever it is, is not the answer to this because on one extreme, and like hear that word extreme. I'm not like, hey, it's you. Uh, extreme. One extreme side, um, we have this person who is completely fine with extinguishing the life of an unborn child because it's their body uh, and a child will be an inconvenience. They're completely fine to do this. And, and they, and they want to fight to make this continue to be a legal thing that they can do. They want to be okay with this. And this is hard. And, and on the other side, the other extreme, again here, extreme, other side, uh, other political party, um, a person may tweet how terrible and tragic this is, that, that someone would, would do this to an unborn child, but with their next tweet, they might tell Colin Kaepernick that he needs to go back to Africa. That's, that can be a thing, okay? So they're both sides, political party, it's not the answer. There's something wrong here. And so government is not the answer. Trying to be a good person is not the answer. We're still missing something. So what is it? We, here we go. We are missing this understanding of the Imago Dei, the image of God, this truth that every man, woman, and child, black, white, Hispanic, born, unborn, rich, and poor, Christian and non-Christian, are all made in the image of God. And this means something. This, this sets mankind apart, and we need to understand this. And so this is when we get to Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 24. Then God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. 
So God made the wildlife of the earth according to all their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that crawl on the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. This is big. That, that in creation, while creating everything in the universe, anything you can think of, while creating all this, he set aside mankind and created us in his image. He set us apart in his image. All this other stuff is good. In his image. What does this mean? This, this fact that man is made in the image of God means that man is like God and represents God. And so we need to be clear here uh, because we are not identical, identical to God. Obviously, if you kind of look at your life, the past week, what you've been doing, whatever, you are not identical to God, but we are similar. Uh, and this won't be up here, but Genesis 5, 1 through 3 uh, talks about Adam. Uh, this is the document containing the family records of Adam. On the day that God created man, he, cre- he made him the likeness of God. He created them male and female. When they were created, he blessed them and called them mankind. Adam was 130 years old, and when he, when he fathered a son in his likeness, according to his image, and named him Seth. And so Seth, Adam's, Adam's son after uh, Cain and Abel, uh, was made and fathered in Adam's likeness. Does this mean that Seth was identical to Adam? No, no. Uh, not identical, just like every other parent and child. I'm told that I look like my grandpa, my dad's dad a lot, just my build and, and kind of the way I do things, but I'm not identical to him. And then if I look at my parents, I, if they're up here, I don't look anything like them. I was like taller than them when I was like 10th grade, uh, and so I don't look anything like them, way bigger too. Um, but I'm, I'm similar to both of them. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pretty good at speaking. I'm saying, oh, a lot. I did it again, dang it. <laughs> I, I announced it to you. Now you're going to hear it the whole time. Don't do that. Uh, I'm pretty good at speaking and teaching, like my dad, uh, and I'm, I'm really laid back, and I'm really good at basketball, like my mom. Uh, and so I'm, I'm similar. I'm not identical, obviously not. And, and th- the thing is, uh, we are similar uh, to our parents, and, and we definitely don't hope uh, that our kids are identical to us because they're going to pick up all the bad things and hopefully some of the good things too. Uh, but the same way that we are similar and we represent our parents uh, we are made in God's image, and we are similar to God. This is, this is really big to understand, uh, that though we are not identical, uh, we have a few aspects of our lives that show us to be more like God than the rest of creation. And I want to run through these aspects with you uh, really quick. First, there's a moral aspect in our lives. Uh, we have this inner sense, as humans, this inner sense of right and wrong that sets us apart from animals. Um, I, uh, I smoked some ribs last weekend uh, and some pulled pork, and I did the ribs because I knew my mom was coming over, and she likes ribs a lot, and uh, so I wanted to, her to have these ribs. They're going to be like the greatest ribs she's ever had, uh, and we're in the living room talking, and uh, my dog, Merle, some of you met Merle, he's in the kitchen uh, where the ribs are, and he can reach the counter, and, and so the thing is, that we have this inner sense of right and wrong, uh, but Merle is not looking at those ribs thinking, 
Man, Jesse spent six hours smoking those. I, I know his mom loves ribs. I should not take any of those ribs. Okay, maybe one, but if I accidentally knock them over, that's going to ruin this whole night. Uh, man, I don't know what to do. What do I do? This is whatever. Uh, no. Merle, the dog, thinks food, and that's it. He gets as many ribs as he can before someone walks in and stops him. That's it. There is no right or wrong. Uh, he is instinctive. So we can train Merle, if we were better dog parents, whatever, uh, we could train Merle to not eat stuff off the counter. It would be really simple. we got two kids. we got time for that. Um, but he would still not be debating what's right or wrong in this scenario. Uh, it would be, uh, not be like, you know, cheaty in the good place, like this constant debate in my head, what's right and what's wrong. Uh, he would only be responding out of fear of punishment or the hope of a reward. It's, it's instinctive for him. It's, I'm, I'm going to get punished for this, or I'm going to get a reward for this. And those are the only things. He's not debating anything in his head. Maybe your dog is, I don't know, probably not. Um, when we act according to God's moral standards, our likeness to God is reflected in behavior that is holy and righteous before him. And our unlikeness to God, uh, because we're not identical, remember that, uh, is reflected when we sin. But we have this, this understanding of what is right or wrong. Whether you are a Christian or not, you, you know what is morally good and bad, and you can debate those in your head and, and make decisions. Animals cannot. Uh, so that's the moral aspect. There's also a spiritual aspect. We have this uh, spiritual relationship with God. It, it is not just a relationship of creator-creation. We get to go to God in prayer for anything we need. Uh, we praise him. He speaks through us through different ways. Merle is not praying uh, for peace. Uh, when he is freaking out during a storm, uh, he's just going to freak out and crawl on the couch. Uh, Merle is not worried about my salvation and praying for me as I would be someone that I, I'm trying to proclaim the gospel every day. Merle's not worried about me. Uh, and also, we, because this spiritual aspect, we will not cease to exist. Whether it's heaven or hell, every human will live on past this life. I hate to tell you, your dog's not going to be there. Um, not sure where dog heaven is, um, but it's not. We're going to talk about that afterwards. We can. Um, there's a spiritual aspect of these things that that we get this. We get this relationship, this spiritual relationship with God, um, and and nothing else in creation gets this. This is this is really big. Every human hear that. Every human gets that. There's also a, a mental aspect. Uh, there is uh, this uh, ability to reason, not just with right and wrong, uh, but to think logically and, and, and learn more things. Uh, you could come to my house uh, after this, and we could talk about eschatology. We could also talk about how incredible it is to watch Zion Williamson play basketball. It didn't, whatever you want, we can talk about it. Um, we can do that. We can think through these things and discuss these things. Uh, my dog is not debating theology and philosophy with the dog on the other side of the fence. He's not doing that. Uh, we can do that. We also have complex, abstract language. Uh, I can ask Lucy to bring me my coffee mug with the Christmas tree on it off the table, and she could probably do it. And she might get distracted, but she knows which one it is, and she heard, heard me describe it. She can grab it and come get it. Might spill a little bit. Uh, I could train Merle to get that mug every time. If I say these words, you get that mug. Um, but if I need a different mug, if that mug is not there, He's not going to understand that. Um, and so our likeness to God uh, is also seen in our creativity. And, and, and whether you think you're a creative person or not, uh, you're, you're not musically gifted, you're not uh, artistic, 
um, you are still creative because God created you to be creative. Whether it's music, art, cooking, woodworking, decorating a home, uh, even kids acting out a skit uh, for their parents. I saw a video of Jenny Falcons uh, putting this little baby doll to bed in her, in her dollhouse. And, and, and just no one taught her, like, okay, train to put this, cover the baby, say goodnight. No one trained her to do that. It's just, she's creative. Um, and so whatever it is, uh, God has created us to be a creative people because that reflects his ultimate creativity. And Merle is a great dog, but the most creative thing that he's ever done uh, is this line of dead grass and dirt from the fence to the porch that he runs back and forth with. It's really creative. Um, but we as humans are creative because that reflects God's ultimate creativity. We're not as creative as God. We're not identical again, but we are creative. We have the ability to be creative. And then last, uh, relationally. And so, yes, animals have relationships uh, with each other and with, with humans, but our relationships, this, this human-mankind relationships with each other, uh, they represent so much more. Scripture tells us that our marriages represent Christ and the church. I can think of the love that I have for my kids and realize how much, or try to understand, try to realize how much more the Father's love is for me. These relationships are really significant, not just uh, um, two animals together to procreate. Uh, that's it. Uh, we get to enjoy procreation. We get to enjoy marriage. We get to enjoy parenthood. Uh, and, and animals don't get to do that. Um, we're also image bearers in our relationship with the rest of creation, with those animals. Uh, authority to rule the birds, the fish of the sea, and every creature that crawls for as long as we're here on earth. And giving us a small glimpse, a reflection, really, uh, of, of into how God rules everything he created in a, in a much bigger scale, obviously. And so all these aspects of, of how we are like our creator should lead us to something. It, it shouldn't stop there and like, wow, that's awesome. Great. Thanks, Jesse. It should lead us somewhere. It leads us to our great dignity as bearers of God's image, our, our great dignity. And we should think on these things often. We should think on this dignity as image bearers often. It should amaze us when we understand that during creation, when God wanted to make something in his image, something more like himself than anything else, he created us. More than the expanse of the universe, the most beautiful landscape you can think of, the strongest, most brilliant animal, uh, we are more like our creator than anything else. This should give us a sense of dignity and significance. Dignity and significance. And, and not this, this idea to turn that significance to pride, thinking uh, only about ourselves, how significant we are, that especially us, we should be respected and, and give a dignity. No, it's not just you, it's mankind has this dignity. Every single human being, no matter how much the image of God is distorted by sin or illness, weakness, age, any disability, still, every human still has a status of being in God's image and must must be treated with the dignity and respect that is due to God's image bearer. This has really big implications for our conduct towards others. It means that every race deserves equal dignity and rights. It means that elderly people, the seriously ill, the mentally challenged, every unborn child deserves full protection and honor as human beings. This is big. This should change us. If we begin to forget 
or, or even deny, like a lot of people do, uh, our unique status within God's creation. This, this fact that we are made in God's image, we forget or deny that, we will begin to see and treat fellow human beings as merely a higher form of animal. The unborn child not being an actual human uh, or, or blacks being considered one-third of a man. That's what, we can, that, that's what we start to do when we lose this idea, that's lose this understanding that we are all made in God's image. So are we honoring, respecting, and protecting fellow image bearers? If we aren't, why is that? Why are we not doing that? What in us is causing our view of fellow image bearers to be distorted and contorted and, and corrupted by sin? It, it is sin that, that is doing this in us. And so, so why is that? Why is it doing that? What can we do for this? Ephesians uh, chapter 5, we get there if you want to turn to that. Ephesians chapter 5, 6 through 14. This is, this is really good and, and, and really... It's truth, and it's really comforting uh, during this. 5, uh, 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose those fruitless works. This is what we are called to do now, to not participate in this darkness, this, this mess, this sin, but instead to expose it. Why would we continue to indulge and participate in this darkness when that's no longer who we are? We were saved from that darkness into this marvelous light that we now get to enjoy forever. And so expose this darkness with that light, this light that is good, righteous, and true, this light that is Jesus Christ. Expose it. And so are we, the crossing church, whether you're a member, you're a visitor, first time here, whatever, uh, are we as God's people showing honor to and uplifting and protecting those who are a different race, age, or even unborn? Are we doing this? Are we participating in darkness? showing little to no respect, slowly crushing them, killing them, fighting for those who want to kill them? Or are we, and this might be a lot of us, are we staying out of it entirely? Uh, because this issue, every, every issue that deals with this sense of, of God's images uh, is really heavy and it's really messy and you don't like confrontation and you don't want to hurt feelings. You don't want to get into it. Uh, if that's the case, what side are we on? Is, is that exposing the light or, or would that be more helping this, this, this participating in darkness, this, this growth of darkness? And this is, this is big because a, a lot of times it, it is too messy and, it, and it's something that we don't know enough about 
And, and it would definitely be best for us to just not say anything. But there are a lot of times that we know the truth of the gospel. We know what we just, we just heard. You, you probably know this, that you are made in God's image, and that means something more than just a, a scripture. We know this, and we're, and we're silent. Or in the extreme scenario, we are the ones participating in this darkness. Before being brought into this light, uh, before this, this darkness that, that we read about in Ephesians, this darkness was beyond any disability, any weakness or discrimination uh, that anyone will experience here on earth. We were absolutely dead in our sin. We were destined and we deserved an eternity in hell. We did not deserve dignity and respect like our fellow mankind does uh, from our creator. He created us. He can do whatever he wants with us. And so we deserve punishment according to our sin. We deserve an eternity in hell. But instead of giving us what we deserved, God instead saves us from that and gives us so much more than we could ever imagine, that we can ever think on this, in, in this earth. He sent his son to take on everything that we deserved. He took on all our sin. He died the death that we deserve on the cross. And, and now, instead of this eternity in hell, suffering in hell forever, uh, we are now, if this is true for you, we are now called sons and daughters, heirs with Christ, and we get to be with him forever. And that is a day that I am looking forward to. Uh, I, I can't wait. And so, to wrap up here, I, and I know this, this could be heavy for you. This could have just kind of gone over here. Not that I'm like saying anything over your head, uh, but it's something that you're not even going to touch right now. But I, I pray, I hope that you really take time to think on these things, how you are an image bearer, bearer of God, that you are made in God's image, and that is significant. That, that don't let the enemy say that you are not good enough for anything, God. I mean, this is really true for you. This is really important. And so to close knowing what we deserved, what we still deserve, uh, and, and what God graciously gives instead. That he took us away with mercy from hell and graciously gives us an eternity with him. Knowing that and knowing what we just walked through, every human is created in the image of God. How does this change your life right now? It may be simple tweaks. It may be just a full, I need to talk to someone. I need to figure something out because something in my life is not connecting and I need to pray for forgiveness. I need to pray that God open my eyes for me to see everyone else as the image of God, that they deserve dignity and respect. And, and, and above all, that's just from every other human. Above all, beyond that, as the church how are we going to proclaim the gospel to these people if we're not first loving them, respecting them, and showing dignity? We want everyone in Monroe, West Monroe, the world, Dallas, we want these people to love, serve, and know Jesus forever. And so we want to get to that. We want to have relationships with them, but it's not going to happen if we do not view them as image bearers of God. And so I'm going to have a, a time just silent. And if you want to think about these things, if you want to pray to yourself, uh, please do that. Uh, and then I'll, I'll close this out, and then we can worship, because all this uh, is true for us. Uh, we, we get to experience this. And if you have not experienced this yet, if you're not sure, if you've questioned this for a long time, please like find someone, talk to someone. Uh, I, I want you to experience this well. I want you to experience what we're about to sing about, what, we, what we've preached on. Uh, so let's take some time. The band can go ahead and come up during this time, and then I'll close this out in a little bit.
Father, I pray again that that during this time, uh, thinking on these things and, and reading about these things, that if there has been any any just idea or, or, or movement towards shame and condemnation, God, you kill that uh, right now with anyone here. God, remind them that you are not here to condemn that we, the Crossing Church, are not here to do that, God, that you will ultimately judge us uh, in the end, God, judge us according to what we deserve, uh, according to what you have given us. Uh, but God, here and now, God, I pray that all of that uh, be this conviction, be this understanding that, that something just could be wrong, checking our hearts. God, I pray that that moves us to looking at your gospel, looking at this forgiveness, turning from that sin, knowing that it will absolutely destroy us, God, that, that, that in that we are enemies, God. God, let us see that and let us turn to you, you who gives life forever, God. I, I pray that that is what we are about, God. I pray that you open our eyes to all sin uh, around us, all sin, the enemy trying to attack us every day, God. But God, open our eyes uh, to these, these people, these unborn children, these different races, anybody, God, who we are not fully showing respect, dignity, and loving, God. We, we want to be a people who does this, who, who absolutely values human life because you have made all of us in your image, God. We want to be a church who does that, God, and we want to be a church that goes beyond that and proclaims this, this good news to them daily, God. I pray that is who we are, not to boast in anything that we are, God, but we want everyone to glorify you, God. We want that to be what Monroe, Western Monroe is about, God. We want to see a revival happen, God. I pray that you use us, use the church in this area to do this, God. I thank you so much for creating us in this way and for ultimately sending your son to die for what we like. That we are not identical, we are similar, God. Our sin sets us apart from you, God. But you sent your son to die for us, to cover us, God. Thank you for that, that it's going to be forever, God. I pray that we look forward to our hope with you forever. Amen.